1: I am your running host, Dean Thompson. Let's talk about running. Let's talk about faith issues. Even better, let's put them together. And here to help me is Run for God founder, Mitchell Hollis. Thanks for having me, Dean. How's your week been? It's been good. Well, good. Yeah, we've got some struggles and some good stuff going on, so it's a little, kind of a good mix. Yeah. Uh, but we were just talking about our community. Our yeah. community is not doing super well right now.
0: It's not. It's not. And I, I was just sharing with you that my my wife and I were we're talking and praying this morning, and, it, and it, it it the the magnitude has really hit us that we've got so much to be thankful for. Yeah, um, we're Amen. healthy, and in days like this it, it kind of hits you that sometimes we take that for granted. Yeah, um, you know, I was just sharing with you we we've a local funeral home here that uh, uh, we know the family real well. They've they've got they've never had more than than five people there at one time, and they have thirteen right now. And it's, um, yeah, you know. But this is this is an opportunity to point people to Jesus, and and we can't
1: stop doing that. And we need to do more of that in these days. We definitely do. We definitely. It's uh, It's it's important. Um. Well, do you ever feel like there's something missing?
0: Cookies like you're, or... like you're looking
1: for something <laughs> to fill a void, but you're not sure what it is. We're going to talk about that in today's story. And then, I wonder if we have any Jaws fans out there. You've seen the movie Jaws, right? I have. Yeah. Well, we're going to talk about the movie Jaws uh, and how the making of the movie might help us with our running.
0: Yeah, I actually reading through this this morning, I actually want to go back and watch Jaws now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, It's
1: Pretty funny story, though, and
0: I'll get to our sponsor. Uh, It's funny that I saw this, that you were talking about this, because just last week I saw a story of... um, the lady, I think it's the mother in Jaws. It's been so long since I've seen it. I don't really know all the characters. Good, but the mother of Jaws in in Jaws just recently went to a restaurant somewhere. Have you heard this story? I haven't. She went to a restaurant somewhere, and the restaurant kind of had a Jaws theme. I don't know if it was on the coast or what it was. And um, and so the the lady made a comment to the waitress. You know, I was in the movie Jaws. She's eating at this restaurant, and the waiter turns around and walks away and comes back with a man, and the man that came back was the owner of the restaurant, and he was the son oh, in no. the movie Jaws. And it's like the first time they had seen each other in years and years and years, Wow! but she was actually at his restaurant and didn't even realize it was his restaurant. So that's- <laughs> Pretty funny story. I just saw that last week. That's funny. And so I saw this. But let's get to today's sponsor. You know, if you want to be a sponsor of Run for God, we would love to be able to uh, support you and your business. and, And we do a lot of that here. And if you, you own a business and you would like to be a sponsor of Run for God, uh, you can send that request to runlanehollis at gmail.com. He'll get you all the details of how to do that, what it entails, and, and uh, but we would love to hear from you. But this week's sponsor is a very near and, and dear friend, Chad Varga with Front Runner Athletics. Um, and as followers, we're told to put on the whole armor of God. As a runner, you also have gear you need to put on to protect yourself from injuries, aches, and pains. Frontrunner Athletics is a family-owned running specialty store that helps fit you for quality gear that'll help you run and not grow weary. They're also longtime supporters of Run for God. They've been supporting us for years and years. Um, So visit Frontrunner locally in Chattanooga, Tennessee on Hicks and Pike for a complimentary fitting or online at frontrunnerathletics.com. Mention Run for God and get a 10% discount. So thanks to Chad and, and the whole group over there at Frontrunner. They're longtime supporters, and we couldn't do what we do without them.
1: Yeah, I just ran a race that they sponsor the, every yeah, year. Yeah, the, the Yeah, the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. So I've got a Facebook post from this week, and of course this comes from Linda Null, who we've all heard from before, And uh, but but uh, there are some points that I think that she makes here and I, that I wanted to talk about. So this is her post. When I began running at the age of 50, I set a goal of running a half marathon in every state. A week ago, I was able to cross Idaho off my list, making state number 35. The course was one of the most beautiful I have ever run. The course began at Bear Gulch Trailhead near Mesa Falls, where you ran down a trail for about four miles. We then transitioned to pavement and began climbing uphill. It felt like it went on forever. The elevation definitely impacted my pace, but rather than be disappointed, I was elated to even be in the race at all. So, it was a huge surprise when I found out I had placed third in my age group. The real reward was the journey that God allowed me to take down that mountain. All glory be, be, belongs to Him. Note: This is a popular run for 50-state marathoners or half-marathoners, as there were 37 states represented that day. Wow! I wonder how many people listening have heard about the 50 states people. You know, there's a lot of people want you know running either marathons or half-marathons in all 50 states. Yeah, and we've had some at the half marathon we that have. we we have sponsored. Yeah, uh, yeah. The the half. I think that's pretty cool.
0: Yeah. You know, the thing that sticks out to me, and you said there's a couple things we can pick up on from Linda's post, and the the one that just really sticks out to me is the first sentence. When I began running at the age of 50. Yeah. um, Linda's just incredible. She does all these crazy trail races. She's an incredible lady, but she didn't let age—she realized age was just a number. Yeah. You can start this sport at any age, and Linda did just that, and she just— from all appearances, looking at her on Facebook, we've, we've both met Linda, and she just loves it. And she uses it, you know, she, in the next to last sentence, all glory belongs to God. Yeah. And she does it every step of her way. This is her mission field, which we're going to talk about a little bit later. But she uses this as her mission field.
1: Yeah, yeah. And you would think, just if you talked with Linda, you would think she's been running her whole life. Whole life, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yep. Yeah, I'm one of those guys you know, this is a great way to see the country, you yeah. know, to, to to get out and do this. My my wife and I, we used to go to baseball parks and we mm-hmm. went to twenty five different baseball parks and that was kind of our thing was to go around and do these things. But um I'm the I'm the guy that runs the same races over and over again. I ran a race Monday. I think it was my twelfth time in the last thirteen years. Well it's years. a good benchmark. You know, it is can, a good you benchmark.
0: Can, you run the same race over and over, you can really tell if yeah. you're going uphill or downhill, you know.
1: Well, I've run, I don't know, somewhere between 15 and 20 marathons in my life. Mm-hmm. I'm not a huge marathoner. I've run, but I've only run five different marathons. <laughs> I've just run the same ones over and over again. I've yeah. run each of them at least three times. Yeah. So uh, that's that's kind of how. But, you know, it's weird because I love new races. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I don't know why I gravitate towards those same races maybe it's because of the benchmark. I know that's why the one I just ran. That's why sure. I do that one. Yeah. Cuz I like to kind of see where I am this time of year, but anyway. Yeah. It's it's uh it's interesting to to be a, a great way to see the country um if you're out there. And I know f- people um who are doing 5 ks in a, even in every state. Um um I'm I'm missing the names now up in Pennsylvania. Um Gosh, I'm so bad with names. Anyway, there's a, some Run for God supporters up yeah. there that, uh, and an instructor that um, they're doing 5Ks and every. Yeah. And Beth. Beth. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you
0: you know, for some people, my wife being one, you don't need much of a reason to take a vacation, and yeah, a 5K will often, you know, fit yeah. that bill. Yeah. Uh, right. So I, I'm not one of those necessarily, um, but yeah, I mean, it, it is a great way to see the country, and it's a great idea. I mean, the half marathon club, that's a pretty huge. I mean, it's an organization now, isn't it? I mean, they memberships and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, Yeah. it's a good way to see the country.
1: We had a trivia question last week, and I love this. I I can't wait to talk about this because I just think this is the most awesome thing ever. Um, And the question was this. What interesting race is held at Frozen Head State Park near Wartburg, Tennessee? And then why is it interesting? Well, the answer is... Barkley Marathons mm-hmm. and it's it's pronounced that way too it is Barkley Marathons not Barkley Marathon hmm. it, it it sounds weird uh, but that's what it's called um, and it's an ultra marathon that's ha- that's held obviously in Frozen Head State Park near Wartburg Tennessee and the the race is a, about <laughs> in the ballpark of a hundred miles uh, and it's um and you're limited, you have to finish it within 60 hours. What well, do you think? 60 yeah, hours, long 100 miles, that's a long time. That's, yeah. that's no problem. Um, and then if you if you complete 60 miles, that's considered the fun run. <laughs> so, uh, But uh, the race was, was um, designed by Gary. His, he, they call him Lazarus Lake, Gary Cantrell. I remember seeing Gary Cantrell. He made an impression in my brain. The first time I saw him, because the first time I saw him was at an ultra marathon that he started. It was a 41, like a 41 mile ultra marathon over these hor- horrendous hills in, uh, in Tennessee. And he had the megaphone in his hand, in one hand. He had a cigarette in the other hand. <laughs> and he tells everybody, go. And then he walks to the starting line, throws the cigarette on the ground, puts it out and starts running behind, behind the rest of the group and, go and runs the race himself. <laughs> Strangest thing I've ever seen, right? So this is the guy. Well, you know those trail runners, they're, they're a different breed. <laughs> yeah. This is the guy that, that came up with this whole idea, and it was inspired when he heard about the escape of James Earl Ray, you know, the guy who assassinated Martin Luther King mm-hmm. near Brushy Mountain uh, State Penitentiary. You know, Ray only covered like five miles or excuse me, eight miles in like 55 hours in the woods. And the Trail said, well, I could have done at least 100 miles. <laughs> and so that's how the Barkley Marathons was, was born, was this whole idea of running through woods. And the first one was run in, in 1986, which was after that 40-miler that I had seen him start. Uh, he had a race one time that, that was, again, on the roads in that same area of the country that this 40-miler was. It was over these real bad hills. It was 108 miles, and it was called the Idiots Run <laughs> because you had to be an idiot to run it. Because it was just it was it was just mountains up and down. Now it doesn't seem like much. Back then it was much, it was a lot. So the Barclay the Barclay is limited to 40 runners, and it usually fills up the day registration opens. And so the entrance, in order to get into this race, you have to create an essay called "Why I Should Be Allowed to Run in the Barclay." <laughs> Um, and you have to pay a dollar and 60 cents entry fee. <laughs> uh, and is there then, a reason that it's a dollar 60. I'm sure there is probably in his mind. <laughs> I'm not sure what that is. Um, but there are other, uh, there are other things. Um, once you're accepted and, and, and everybody has, it's different every year. If you're new to the race, you have to bring a license plate in from the state that you're from as part of your entry fee. If you're not a newbie, then you have to bring in something else and it changes every year. It might be a T-shirt, it may be something that goes to a local shelter mm-hmm. usually. Um, but if you're accepted, then you get a letter of condolence. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's very very, very interesting. Um, and of course, <clears throat> the uh, prior finishers of the marathon who return to run again have to submit a pack of Camel cigarettes as part of their registration fee. I'm sure this so Gary can smoke them. <laughs> Uh, and race bib number one is always given to the person deemed to be the least likely to finish one lap out of all who have applied a human sacrifice as Cantrell calls it.
0: I think <laughs> i like to meet this guy.
1: Yeah. The course has changed. It's changed distance. It's changed routes. It changes all the time. The elevation is, is insane. Um, And it's changed a lot since the inaugural run. Uh, Currently, it consists of about a 20-mile loop is what they said. It's unmarked. There are no aid stations, um, except there's water at two points along the way, just in case. Uh, The loop, and I've seen the video. There's a video on this. You can go out there. and. There's a documentary now. Yeah. Have you seen that? Maybe that's what I saw.
0: I haven't seen it. But I know that there's a documentary, they call it the Barclays or something. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
1: And and he, he, uh, yeah, it starts and finishes at this little yellow gate. Yeah. There's no significance to it whatsoever, but that's where it starts and finishes. Um, So the runners of the 100-mile version run the loop five times, and and they take a counterclockwise direction for loops three and four, followed by each runner alternating direction on loop five. So... You have to alternate directions. Just to get everybody disoriented. Yeah, because... Because there's no trail markers. Right. (laughs) And it's... Depending on what time they start, because you'll see that you don't know when you're going to start. You're going to run this thing in the dark and in the light, and you've got to figure out how to get there in the dark, going the opposite direction. And then on the fifth loop, you don't know which direction you're going to run. Because it depends on where you are in the race, if you make it to the fifth loop. So... Uh, yeah, it's it's crazy. It's just, it's, it's crazy. So there's 54,200 feet of accumulated vertical climb. Uh, the 100-mile run is considered to be one of the most challenging ultramarathons held in the United States, if not the world. Um, and about 40% of the races has ended with at least one finisher. Let me say that again. 40% of the races have had At least one finisher, Hmm. which means that sixty percent had zero finishers. The and of course, some people claim that the the route is as far as twenty six miles because of the elevation changes. So they don't really know how far it is. So the Barclay starts um, anytime from noon on race day, from midnight to noon on race day. You don't know. They give you, I think it's a one hour, um, he he blows a conch, which tells you one hour till start time. So you got one hour to get ready at that point. Probably sleeping. You know, you're probably sleeping and he he blows this thing. Um, So, and of course, the race officially begins when Gary Cantrell lights a cigarette. (laughs) So here's the way this works now. in, In addition to running, you have to find some books. Because you have to prove that you ran the route because there's nobody out there checking to see if you ran the route. Well, here's the way he figures that out. So he places these books along the route and you have a number, a bib on, and each lap you get a different bib. And so if my bib number is 14, for example, then that means I have to tear out page 14 of each of those books that are laid around the, which could be anywhere from nine to 14 books that are laid around the course. And you have to tear page 14 out of that book, out of each of those books, to prove that you went that route and then turn them in at the end of the lap. And then you get a new number issued at the end of the the lap. So let me ask
0: this. I, I need to go watch the documentary now. So there must be a course map of some kind, because how do you know where the books
1: are? Yeah, I don't know. And I don't think it's in the documentary either. Really, but there, yeah, it's like I said, it's it's crazy. There has to be a course map. You're right. I think you need to do this race. Yeah, I don't think I'm going to do this race. <laughs> um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So out of more than 1,000 starts, the hundred mile race has been completed within the official 60 hour cutoff 18 times by 15 runners out of a thousand. Um, yeah, in 2006, more than 30 competitors failed to reach the first book, which was two miles away, 30 of 40, didn't make it to the first checkpoint, which was only two miles away. Because I'm sure what happens is they get out there and they go, oh, this isn't what I was thinking it was. <laughs> this is way harder than I thought. And so when a runner drops out of the race, a bugler plays taps <laughs> upon their return. <laughs> I would like to go, can, can visitors come to the
0: start-finish line and just watch this? I assume so. We should totally – I would just like to to watch watch all this unfold. Yeah.
1: I don't know if I'd want to do it. It would have to be interesting. Yeah. Yeah.
0: We should – you should find out where this is and let's go do that.
1: Yeah, that would be fun. That would be a good field trip. Yeah, that would be fun. We'll have to – then we can do our own documentary. (laughs) Social media? Nope.
0: Grocery store tabloids? Nope. The newspaper? Not usually. The national news? Are you serious? Is there any media source these days that only shares a
1: positive message? A lot of the media we take in each day can be pretty negative. Why not make the decision right now that your music will only be positive? Sign up for an account at
0: JRadio.com today and download the app in your App Store. With music for every moment and entirely positive Christian message, it'll be nice to hear things going right for a change. All right, so we're back, and we've, we've had this big thing that we've been talking about, Dean. The Coach the Couch to Marathon Challenge Challenge. challenge. Yeah. Are you excited about I'm it? I'm really excited about it. You I can't know,
1: wait to see who signs up for this.
0: Well, you know, people have already signed up yep. to, to, to do it, but we haven't asked anybody to really sign up yet. All we've said up until this point is pray about it, think about it, Maybe talk to your church or your your community, wherever you're going to do. Talk to them about it. Maybe talk to some friends about it, you know, to see who might be willing to help you. But we really haven't asked anybody to do anything mm-hmm. until today, you know. This to, is the day. Today this is, is the commitment day. day. Today, is this, when this podcast is releasing, today is September the twentieth. Is this like letter of intent? Day this is for letter College of intent players? today. We yeah. need to know who's on board okay. and we want everybody to be on board. So, it's time to do something. So, check your email. If you if you are in our email database, you have an email sitting in your inbox right now from me and you. And it's the challenge. It's it's the coach the couch to marathon challenge. Challenge. So, and nobody can back down from a challenge. No. You know, Through the years, we've had over, at this point, over 6,000 people who have led Run for God in one way or another. The 5K challenge, the 10K, the half, you know, whatever. We've had over 6,000 coaches around the world. Wow. We're challenging each and every one of those people, but not just those people, right? It's people who may have never coached. Mm -hmm. We want you to to do this in your community. You know, people ask, how can I give back? How can I have a ministry? You know, all these questions. How can I how can I do something with what I love to point people to Christ? This is the answer. This January, we want to have 10,000 participants. January 10th to be specific. That's when this whole thing kicks off. We want 10,000 run club participants who have said, "I'm in for the Couch to Marathon." challenge now you and i can't do that by ourselves that's right we can run ads you know none of that is as near as effective as thousands of people around the country in their communities those people have their own sphere of influence and they're reaching out to their community and saying our community is going to host this our church our rec center our school whatever it is you can do this really anywhere yeah. But we're going to hope that we're going to host this. So, what do you need to do? If you're listening to this and you you've heard me and you talking about it, what is it that you need to do right now? Number 1, you need to join Run Club. Because this whole thing is going to happen inside of Run Club. If you're listening to this podcast, that's great, but we need you to join Run Club. It's it's what? 27 cents a day. Yeah. Literally. So- um so, you need to join Run Club if you haven't already. Once you join Run Club or if you're already a member of Run Club, log in and click the coaching tab. There's a there's a tab at the top of the page that says coaching. Click on that and all the information on how to do this is on there. We've got a detailed PDF that you can download. It's almost like a playbook for all of next year. We've got the dates, the start dates, when the different classes are going to be taking place. Um, we one thing that we're doing different next year is we're giving a little bit bigger break between each distance. So between the 5k and 10k, we're actually doing two weeks between distances next year. One is an off week and one is an unstructured week. Um, we just, we've, we've learned that that may be a good idea going forward just yeah. to kind of give everybody a little bit of a break yeah. and then you go into the next challenge. So you, you've got the whole playbook on there. So download that, take a look at it. And once you're ready to say, I'm in, all you need to do is add your class to the website. There's a there's a button on there, um, and it says, add class to website. You That's know, pretty simple. We don't get fancy. Yeah. It says, add yeah. class to website. You can go in there and put your name, all your detail, your information so people can contact you. And you can post your flag on your community, literally. We now have an interactive map on the website where you can go in and you can click find a run for God class and a map pulls up and people can drill right down to their community and they can literally see your flag on your community. They can click on it. They can see who you are. They can reach out to you and say, hey, I want to join. This is a very valuable um, page for people out there because we're going to be promoting this to hundreds of thousands of people around the country. Yeah. We're going to have maybe millions of eyes are going to see that this opportunity is out there. And we need coaches in place by the time we start that marketing to where people can go in. We're going to start this marketing probably mid-October. So we need coaches in place so that people can go in and look. They can do it on their own or they can go to find a coach in their area and they can find you. What a, what a great way yeah. to outreach. We're helping make it easy for them. We're making it super easy, but that's not the that's not the easiest part. That's, that's right. not the only thing that we've done. So, once you've added your class to the website, you've said I'm in. You know, it's just like a race. There's no better way to hold yourself accountable than to sign, sign up for it. a race. Yep. Well, there's no better way to hold yourself accountable as an instructor, as a missionary. You know, I love it how some people refer to our instructors as missionaries. Yeah. Your wife is actually the first one that I heard that from. Yeah. And it's so true because we're all the hands and feet of Christ here. And we're all out here trying to do things that point people to Christ through the sport that we love. So you've added your name to the website. Then there's another tab there that says buy the kit, buy the instructor's kit. You don't have to have one. And many of our instructors already have one, but it's not something you have to have, but it's definitely something that will help it make things easier as you're facilitating through this process. But there again, you don't have to have one. So You've added the class. You've bought the instructor kit if you want one. Now what do you do? You start promoting. Yeah. We have lots of tools on the coaching tab. If you go down to, we call that tab class promotion. We're, wow. we're keeping it simple. <laughs> Click on that. We have posters. We have social media posts. We have all the tools you need to start getting the word out in your community. Every one of us have a sphere of influence. Every one of us have people who have watched us through the years, run and thought, I would love to do that, but I don't know where to start. This is the answer to that question. So you can you can start promoting it. Students can begin reaching out to you. You can begin to build a roster. And really, that's it. We will kind of take it from there. So starting Monday, January the 10th, this is when everything starts. It's the, it's the first night of the 5K challenge. Now, what we're going to do is... We're doing the teaching for you. You you mm-hmm. can teach it if you want to, or you can simply play a video. What we're suggesting is that you get your class together one time a week, and you go through the video, and you have those um, discussions about what is talked about and what is covered. Now, Monday, January the 10th is week one. It's the start of week one of the 5K Challenge. But you don't have to meet on Mondays. We're actually going to release the videos, the instructional videos on the Sunday prior to the beginning of the week. So Sunday January 9th, the video is going to be sent to you as the instructor and you can either you can play it Sunday night, you can play it Monday night, you can play it anytime you want that week. You can you cuz some people may say well our class needs to get together on Tuesday nights. That's fine. Yeah. We're, we're making it to where you can do it any time you want. But one cool thing that we're going to add this year is the Thursday Night Live, we're gonna dive deep into a discussion globally yeah. about the topic for that week. So yeah. Thursday Night Live, we're we're also we're gonna have the the topics that you typically see on Thursday Night Live, but we're also gonna have a time where we dive into that week's lesson just a little bit and give people opportunities to ask questions and to really be a part of the the community of what we hope to be 10,000 runners all at one time. Yeah. So it's going to be incredible. Uh, I'm so excited about it. I'm excited that we're finally to the point where people can start staking their flag. But we need you to do that because come mid-October, you're going to see a lot of stuff going out there from Run For God, recruiting people to be part of this challenge because you and I know, and everybody listening to this podcast knows, how this can change your life. Not only the lives of those who are taking the class, but the ones teaching the class are most often the ones whose lives are changed the most because there, there's there's nothing better than giving back to something, giving back to the sport, doing your part as a, as a missionary of Christ and spreading the gospel. What better way to do it than through a sport that we all love? So I'm going to look right into the camera, and I'm going to say join... The 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 coach the couch to marathon challenge challenge we're challenging you go to runforgod.com or runforgodrunclub.com dot com and
1: get signed up today. It sounds really simple. It's incredible. So there's simple. really no reason to say no. So I, I can't think of a reason why somebody could possibly say no. I just I can't think of one.
0: There is none. well let, let me throw some let me throw some let me throw some excuses out there. And I want you to bite them down, and maybe you throw an excuse. Let's take just one or two minutes right here. Dean, I, I'm I'm not a teacher. I've never taught anything in my life.
1: Neither was Mitchell Hollis, <laughs> the guy that started this whole thing. I wasn't a teacher. I now I was a runner. I will say that, but I wasn't a teacher. You know, so there's many that we've seen. We've seen hundreds, literally hundreds, thousands of people right. who were never teachers. Many, were times, many times we wear a T-shirt
0: that says what? Find your comfort zone and, and leave, leave it. it. And up to this point, instructors have had to teach. But we've even made that simple now. Yeah. All you need to do is facilitate. Yep. You know, you can you can, cue up the video and hit play. And then at the end of the video, say, what do you guys think?
1: That's what, pretty simple. That's
0: pretty simple. And it's going to go into an incredible conversation about the intersection of faith and endurance in yep. it. It's incredible, yep. and I want people listening to this to be a part of it.
1: Well, how, here's the next excuse. This is the one that I, that I hear the most is, I don't have time. Well, you know, if, if you're going to run anyway, mm-hmm. you're going to run anyway, yeah. right? I, and don't tell me that you're not, are you not doing Bible study? Because that's what this is. It's right. a Bible study. Yeah. So this is a great opportunity to combine those things and and do something that's both productive and fun for your own life. And it really doesn't take any extra time. Maybe a little bit of the promotion and stuff is right. a little bit extra work and it'll take some time, but you'll enjoy doing but it. But we're even that, making that easy for people. Yeah. We're
0: giving them the, the tools at the, at right. the, uh, class promotion tab. They just grab them, post them to their social media and say, Hey, join me. Yeah, you man. know, another one that I hear a lot is I'm not that great of a runner. <laughs> and what better way to learn than to teach. We've had people teach this class who have never run. They wanted to learn to run and they taught it at the same time they were they taught it at the same time they were learning. And that's an incredible way
1: to learn. Yeah, and I've had many discussions with people that have that excuse and, and here's what I tell them and I mean this sincerely if you've never run before, you have a whole different kind of credibility. With mm-hmm. people who are trying to run for their first time, than I do. Sure, you know, people look at me and go, "Oh, well, running's easy." For you've done years. it your whole life. And yeah, I mean, that's of course you're saying all this stuff like it's no big deal, and you know, and so they look at me and they and it, it makes it hard for them to see them being able to do what I do. But if you've never run before, or if you've only run just a little bit. Well, they're going to look at you and go, "Wait a minute! You just started a couple of years ago, too. You know exactly how this feels." Right. There's a great credibility there if you haven't, if you're not a great runner. So let's recap the probably
0: the top three we just hit. I've, I'm not a teacher. Okay, neither was I. I don't have time, and I'm not that great of a runner. That was the exact three excuses that I gave yeah. when God laid this on my heart. Yeah. And look what God did. Yeah. Th- this. None of this is Mitchell Hollis. None of this is Dean Thompson. None of this is any of our team. This is all God pushing me and you and our whole team outside our comfort zone. We're asking you to allow God to push you outside your comfort zone. So let's recap. Five things to do. Number one, join Run Club. Number two, log in and go to the coaching tab. Number three, add the class to your website. Buy the kit if you don't have one, if you want one. Number four, Start promoting the class. It's really that simple. And number five, join us the week of January the 10th to get this thing started with hopefully 10,000 other people.
1: You don't want to regret not being a part of this. Join us this January. Well, let's turn to our story for today. You know, have you ever been searching for something? I think we're all searching for God until Mm -hmm. we found him, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, But have you ever felt like there was a missing piece from your life? Well, this story is called The Missing Piece, and it comes from Laney Gresham, who is from Carrollton, Georgia. And this is what it says. I have always been athletic. I played softball and basketball from the very first opportunity I was given at five years old. As an adult, I continued to play softball, even while pregnant, until I was hurt several years ago during a collision. I tried tennis, which I love, but it was something that didn't mix well with me working outside of the home, and since I couldn't play it by myself, I gave it up. I typically filled in my fitness gaps with walks and occasional classes at the gym, but I had pretty much given up the idea of ever participating in an organized sport again. As a a young athlete, weight wasn't something I struggled with too much. I could pretty much eat what I wanted, and my activity level took care of the rest. It wasn't until my mid-30s and after my accident that weight became something I had to concern myself with. The walks and the classes weren't doing the job. During the talk about my weight frustrations with a friend, she told me about an app that counted calories, helped with meal selection, and tracked exercise right on your smartphone. It had every food imaginable and many restaurants. I used it for a few months and it really opened my eyes to food in general. It showed me that everything has calories. Every single thing. I mean, cauliflower has calories. Who knew? (laughs) My scale was finally moving in the right direction for a change, but there was still something missing, something deep inside that needed fulfillment. I was and am an athlete, and an athlete needs a challenge, needs motivation. An athlete needs a competition. I began tinkering with the notion of running, something I swore I would never, ever, under any circumstances, do. I was the one that loved the the saying, if you see me running, you better run too, because someone or something is chasing me. I would start slow sometimes, fast sometimes. I would go five minutes, 20 minutes, arms flailing, chest burning, sides cramping, nose running, just in complete misery. I had no idea what I was doing. And many times I would ask myself, why am I putting myself through this torture? But something kept pushing me. Something kept saying, you can do this. That's when Run for God, the 5K challenge, came into my life. I was very apprehensive at first. What does running have to do with God? As I sat in the class, uh, did the daily study, and followed the program, I found that this thing called running is the most tangible parallel to walking out my Christian faith than anything else I had ever experienced. There are days in my training when I feel like I could run 25 miles and not break a sweat, and there are days when taking a jog to the mailbox seems an impossible task. Such is my Christian walk. Sometimes I think I'm walking so close to the Lord that I can smell His honeysuckle breath, and other times I wonder if I'm even saved at all. I realized that in both physical and spiritual running, it is faith that keeps me going. Faith that doesn't let me quit. Faith that never gives up. Faith that no matter what my feelings, if I train properly, I will be ready. Faith that no matter how far God feels from me, He is there. He is there, always there, rooting for me, cheering me on, telling me, you can do this. Running, my missing piece, has impacted my life in ways I never dreamed. First, physically. At almost 40 years old, I'm in better health than I was even in my 20s. I eat better, I'm more aware of my food choices, and I'm pleased and a little shocked at how my body has responded to running. I never imagined I would see my high school weight again. Second, mentally. As a competitor, I have found contentment in my only competition being myself conquering the fear winning against the doubt and occasionally grabbing a PR most importantly spiritually as a student and a facilitator I've had so many opportunities to minister and be ministered to to encourage and to be encouraged to laugh to cry and at times to even be angry What started off as a simple running program has transformed me into so much more, and I'm so excited to see where the roads will lead. I just recently celebrated the one-year anniversary of my first 5K, and I'm currently participating in the Run for God half marathon study. I will be running my first half soon. I am running the race that is set before me, my race, the race for my prize. I may never get a medal, but I will get my prize. This journey has not been easy, and I'm not sure that it will ever be easy. We were never promised easy. We were only promised that we would have the strength to endure, the faith to continue, and we wouldn't have to do it alone. Enjoy the journey.
0: Man, that's a great story. I just love the stories that we get. Yeah, I do too. You know, I don't think we mentioned this earlier, but everybody has a story. Yeah. And there's another tab at runforgodrunclub.com, and it's submit your story. Yeah, um, and you need to do that because just like this one, you know, to her it may not seem grand, but this is going to speak to so many people. Right, who read this and hear this.
1: Yep. Yeah, it's great to find something that's good for you that can keep you centered. Mm-hmm. In this case, it was running, but I, I just, uh, I just, I just purchased a book, a, a used book. You ever do that?
0: Never bought a used book. Yeah,
1: I do it all the time. <laughs> Um, I, I, I have too many books, but this is a book that I read in high school and I wanted to read it again. And the book is called positive addiction. Hmm. And it's all about how we have people who are addicted to things that are bad for them.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Alcohol, other substances, things that, that are just bad for you. But there's such a thing as positive addiction. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it actually talks about running in the book and about how, how running, um, Being good for you can be a positive addiction. Now, you can take it too far. Sure. We've talked about that from a run for God standpoint. But, um, yeah, it it, it can be a a really good thing. And in this case, Laney, she'd always been an athlete. She always loved being an athlete. And she felt this void because those competitions weren't there anymore. Um, And um, she found a way to fill that void with with running. And I'm sure we've got folks listening Mm -hmm. probably in that same boat, right? Sure. Isaiah 43, seven, everyone who is called by my name, who I've created for my glory, I have formed him. Yes, I have made him.
0: You know, <clears throat> when I read this earlier, it, you know, sometimes God just parks you somewhere and he parked me on this verse. And, and what, what I felt, what I've sensed him telling me is that our society is having identity issues. Mm. Um, We always have, but I think now more than ever, you know, our goal should be to have those around us identify us as a child of God. Yep. Not the run for God guy, not the run for God coach, not the guy who won the Myrtle Beach Marathon, not the guy who builds houses, but a child of God. Mm -hmm. You know, those things I listed are not who we are, but rather what we do what we do to bring glory to God. You know, the, the Run for God guy is is what I do. It's not who I am. I'm a child of God, and Run for God is a platform that I use to bring glory to God. Now, you may be sitting out there and saying, well, I don't have a, a ministry. Mm-hmm. Well, let me reword this. um, A builder and developer in Dalton, Georgia is what I do. It's not who I am. I'm a child of God. And being a developer is a platform that I use to bring honor and glory to God. I do it every day. I just left uh, an electrical crew. And yeah. I hope that I was using that platform to talk different, yeah. to carry myself different, to, to let them see God on my shirt. Not, not that that makes me anything, but that it makes those impressions. You know, ministry is not ministry because it's nonprofit. That's, that, right. that's That's a myth. Ministry is ministry because we use whatever it is to point people to the cross. Every single person listening to this has a ministry. But we must be grounded in the fact that as a Christian, our identity is a child of God, and our ministry... Is an accountant, a lineman, a factory worker, an engineer—you name it. Yeah. We all have the opportunity to be in ministry. All it takes is the decision to do so. If you're a child of God.
1: Yeah, and I'll tell you, in that building industry, that's a place that needs it. Sure. I mean, every industry. Well, every needs, it. every industry does need it. Yeah. Right. But uh, yeah, that that's a uh, well well said for sure. Proverbs 16 9 says, A man's heart plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. It's funny, I just used this verse just last week. I had a ever before every meet, and this was our first meet of the week was last year, and or a year was last year, last week. <laughs> you know, get You'll get right. that right in a minute. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, but I used this, this verse. Um we we can all make plans. Planning's important. Mm-hmm. Um, but we have to be open to God directing our sure. steps. And plans are great. And a lot of times our plans line up with God's plans. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they don't. Right. Sometimes we have to go in a whole different direction. Um, and put another way, a person may make plans, but God is the one who's going to determine the outcome of those plans. So if I'm making plans for Dean, mm-hmm. then the outcome of that is going to be what God thinks is appropriate for Dean, sure. When I follow what God's plan is, he's gonna he's gonna give he's gonna give an outcome that is what's appropriate for God. He's gonna bless it. He's gonna bless it. Yep, yep. Um, I want to find where God's
0: working, and go there. And go there. Our, our good friend David Hendricks, God rest his soul, always said that. He That's he right. said it over and over. Yep. I don't want to do what David wants to do. I want to find where God's working, and I want to go there.
1: Yep. Proverbs eighteen fifteen. The heart of the prudent acquires knowledge, and the ear of the wise seeks knowledge. We got to be looking for it. Mm-hmm. There's you know, a lot there. It's <laughs> what's that? There's yeah. a lot there. Yeah, there is. Um, sometimes part, part of God's plan is to whack us over the head with something, but oftentimes we have to go find it. Yeah. Um, he wants us to be searching for it, uh, especially what you know what that. that has to do with anything that we do. A part of that could be running, but it's things outside of running. Um, and this isn't ambiguous in the Bible, right, mm-hmm. about seeking knowledge and seeking truth and, and trying to learn more about who God is and becoming closer to God. These are all themes that run throughout the entire Bible um, that it's important for us to do things, the verbs, <laughs> to, to find that knowledge. Well, and
0: there, there's two kinds of people. There's there's people that look at instruction manuals, and there's people that don't look at instruction manuals. Yeah. And I think this is what what Scripture is talking about here is we have the instruction manual, mm-hmm. but we have to go find it. I'm, I'm one of those people that don't look at instruction manuals. I wish I was. I would have saved it a lot of times through the years. <laughs> but I, I tend to try to go rough shot and, and do it on my own and, it, and it's even falling down to my kids funny story my son Landon my youngest son he's the builder and he loves to figure things out and do things well I bought a, a my garage door opener went out on my garage a few years ago and Landon I think was probably 13 12 12 or 13th time you know usually a garage door goes out you call a garage door guy and and have him come fix it not me yeah. Landon can handle this. <laughs> so I went to Lowe's and I bought a garage door opener and uh Landon had a friend over, Jack Gallagley, who's just like him. Yep. And he's a couple years younger than Landon. So I had a 13 and probably 11 or 12-year-old and I laid the box down in the garage and I said, "Y'all figure this out." <laughs> now that was pretty brave on my part yes, cuz we it have was. two vehicles sitting under this garage door. <laughs> And I'll never forget because they're capable of doing it. And I left and I come back like two hours later and they had this thing halfway put together. But I just know from being in the building industry, something didn't look right. I didn't know what it was, but something did not look right about what they were about to hang from the ceiling. And I said, where's the instruction manual? And said, I don't know. (laughs) And so I walk over to the box, and it's still in the box. They had put this whole garage door opener together wow. with no instruction manual. Long story short, they had done something wrong. They fixed it. They used the instruction manual. They fixed it, hung it, and it still works perfectly to this day. My point is, it took them about an extra couple hours because yeah. they didn't use the instruction manual. Well, how many times do we do this oh. with God's Word? Yeah, it It wouldn't take any time at all to... First of all, you got to find time to do nothing. We've talked about that before. Mm-hmm. They give you the time to sit down, to bow your head, to get on your knees, to open God's Word and say, God, what instruction do you have for me today? Yeah. But how many times do we wake up, we get in the shower, we go to work, and we never stop to open the instruction manual? And how many times does it go off the rails as a result? And how many times do we say, from now on, I'm going to have my quiet time in the morning. I'm going to go yeah, to God. And yeah. that might happen for a week. And then we go back to to doing the same. And it's like a vicious cycle. But we have the instruction manual. We have the the inventor of the world as we know it. And, that's and the, he's available to talk to. Yeah, that's And, the way and we're read the manual. And, but we, we, so many times we don't do it. But it's... The heart of the prudent acquires knowledge, and the ear of the wise seeks it. We need to become more wise yeah. in our, our seeking knowledge. For sure.
1: Well said. Question. We were all created by God for his glory, each of us with our own gifts, personality, talents, and tools for showing that glory. Is there something that you know God created you for that because of time, season of life, loss of confidence, lack of motivation, etc., that has been hidden from the world far too long? Yeah, God had me in a whole different setting mm-hmm. for, for, for many years, um, and quite frankly, I wasn't going to see it on my own because I'm not a, I'm not a risk taker mm-hmm. by nature. Um, there are some things I'm kind of a risk taker on, but some things I'm not. And when it comes to my, my father brought me up extremely conservative, especially from a financial standpoint. Mm-hmm. And uh, and to this day, I'm still extremely conservative with with money issues and things like that. And um, I I spent all this time doing something completely different and never would have changed. If God hadn't forced my hand but for God, but for God. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and now, I I mean, I feel like I've said this before. I feel like God gave me a talent of running Mm -hmm. and I've, I've, you know, you've heard me joke about it before that, um, he gave most people something useful to be good at. He gave me running. Well, he gave you a radio voice that's coming
0: in handy now. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I thought about that. I've yeah. heard people say I could just sit and listen to Dean
1: all day. You got that radio <laughs>
0: voice. I'm I'm kind of squeaky over here, but you got uh, that.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> but God will put us into those positions sure. where where we eventually will will learn it. But back to the previous scripture, mm-hmm. if we go out there and we search for our purpose, mm-hmm. I, I I I could if I had searched for my purpose fifteen years ago, and you asked me. What What is it you'd like to do? What what would you, if you had your choice of anything in the world that you'd like to do, what, what would you like to do? And I probably would have said, I don't know, something has to do with running. <laughs> you know, whatever. Um, and now that's what I'm doing. Hmm. Because God intervened right. um, and, and changed that. Um, hmm. but, but here's the thing. I, I was sharing my faith where I was. Where I was in ministry, I was doing what we were talking about before. I mm-hmm. was, I was sharing my faith there, um. But, and I was impact. I feel like I impacted folks. Sure. I mean, I've heard from folks. You that, did. that. I yeah. had an impact on that. You know that later came came back and said that I had an impact in that in that setting. But I wasn't having the impact I could have. Mm-hmm. Um, God had bigger plans and better plans. He wanted you to step outside your comfort zone. He did,
0: and so finally, he kicked you outside yep. your comfort that's zone. That's exactly right. That's exactly
1: <laughs> what he did. Um, now, I'm not saying that God's always going to put us in better circumstances. Sure, it's that's not necessarily true, um, but he will. He will push us into areas that we think are impossible mm-hmm. to go to, um, and but ultimately, if we'll listen to him, wherever he sends us, mm-hmm. wherever he puts us, will be a better place. Because he's
0: not going to send us somewhere he's not working. That's right. Just like David said, I want to find where God's working, and that's where God will often push us yep. Yep. or pull us, yeah, to to where He's at.
1: That's right. <laughs> that's kind of what happened here with Lainey. Sure. You know, she she went from a uh, I'm an athlete, but I really I'm really not doing anything. And I really, you know, she found a place, um, and it's funny that it was a place that formerly she looked at like I don't want to do that. God has a sense of humor too, but right? He
0: does. And I, I say it over and over because, you know, with, with me, I wasn't that great of a runner. I'm still not. I wasn't, I didn't know the Bible as well as I should. I still don't, working on that. I had never been to seminary. I'd never preached, taught, done anything like I'm doing now. But yet that's where God was pushing me to go. Why? Because I could never and I can never take credit for what is happening. And the same thing for Laney. He pushed yep. her to a place that she said she would never go. Yeah. Well now she can't take the credit for that. Yeah. And I'm convinced that's that's why God puts certain people in certain places because there's no other explanation. Yep. Other than God. That's, but God. That's true.
1: Have you ever started a process thinking the end result will be one way, only to have the Lord show you a completely different outcome than you ever imagined? Is it hard for you to let God surprise you and change your path? <laughs> yes and yes mm-hmm. I mean how many times do we does that happen i mean that's like is that daily mm-hmm. it's at least weekly all the time uh, yeah all the time yeah. and it goes it it goes back to that proverbs sixteen nine we may have plans, but God's going to determine our outcomes and and if our if our plans are whack he's going to change things up. Sure. You know, if my plans weren't what he he wanted me to do ten years ago, well, he, he was gonna he's gonna change things up. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's hard. It's hard to let go and let him do it. Um, and ultimately, in my case, I don't I don't think I, I don't think I let God do it. I think God just did it and mm-hmm. said, "You're not gonna You're not gonna listen to the still small voice." <laughs> So I'm, so I'm gonna, gonna be bring lo- the hammer. I'm gonna be loud. <laughs> so here's a bugle in your ear, right? Um, and that's kind of that's kind of what happened. Um, most of us really don't like the idea of plans changing, mm-hmm. right? We we're we're headed down a comfortable in a comfortable path. We have our routines. We have the things we like to do, and we don't want to go down those paths. Laney yeah. didn't want to become a runner because running was uncomfortable. And that whole description she has in there is great of, of yeah. just how difficult it was until she found a little bit of control right. and, and some direction in, in that. Well,
0: we hear. I mean, we've had story after story. I'm sitting here thinking back to the one, and I can't remember who wrote it. Who was running? And God said, "Go left." She said, "No, God. I was planning to go right." And she wound up saying, "All but." She wound up all, was all that but Linden? saving.
1: Was it the same one we had the the Facebook post for earlier? Was it I, See, I don't
0: remember. Maybe it was. Yeah. But she wound up. St- potentially saving somebody's life yeah. because God said go this way, but her plan was to go that way. We hear these stories so much, and whoever wrote that story, how, how much of an impact would that story have if the story said, well, I was planning to go left anyway, and I ran into this girl, and she was having issues, and yeah. I potentially saved her life. That would give glory, more glory to the person in the story. Yeah. But the fact that she wanted to go right and God said go left, that takes that takes everything away from the person writing the story, and the person realizes it. This yeah. was all God because I was wanting to go that way. Yeah, God said go this way, and I even argued with Him. But I ran to this young lady who was having a problem, and and this happened, and it. God will many times put us in situations where it can't be explained any other way. Yeah. There it's not a coincidence, it's not my doing. I didn't plan it. It was all God. Yeah. And those are the
1: coolest stories. Yeah, they really are. Are you teachable? Are you able to admit to yourself you need help? Are you looking to see who and what God has put before you in order to bring you closer to him? So this is three questions. This is supposed to be three questions. These are
0: toe-stepping questions. Yeah, they
1: are. (laughs) They are. Yeah, man. Yeah, you know, I love to learn stuff. So, you know, like I I was telling you before we got started with this podcast, I can't wait to talk about Barkley Marathons Mm -hmm. because it's just so interesting to me. I love learning about stuff. So I feel like I'm teachable, um, and I like to. But But many times we're teachable where we want to be taught. That's exactly what I was going (laughs) to say. Yeah. You read my mind, because that's that's you know I love all the trivia stuff we do. Yeah. What kind of questions am I going to ask? Well, they're the ones that interest me, right? Because right? that's the stuff I want to research. We love being
0: taught when it's the Barclay Marathons. <laughs> we don't love to be taught when God is saying, "You got this sin in your life." Yeah, that's you right. need to deal with this. That's right. That's that's when I struggle to be teachable, because yeah, but that's where we've got to keep doing it. We've got to keep allowing God. To do that, knowing that good's always going to come
1: out of it. Yeah, yeah. It's hard for me because I'm a I'm a DIYer. I mean, <laughs> for a long time, you know, I didn't I, I didn't I didn't let somebody else change my oil right. until really not too too long ago. Sure. Because it's like, why should somebody? Why should I pay somebody else to do something I can do myself? Right. And I'm still that way today. I'm still, you know, there's stuff. I'm getting to the point now where I get I'm busy enough where. I'm like, all right, I am like I i do not have time for that. I'm sure. I'm starting to admit that more now. But there for a long time, you know, uh, it, it was bad.
0: And even even you but, know, I know you're the same way. I, I I've done this. You you feel God speaking to you about something and it's a little bit uncomfortable and you're like, God, I got a better way. Let's do yeah. it
1: this way. <laughs> yeah,
0: that's right. And that never turns out good. That's it right. It never turns out good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We we bring DIYer into an inappropriate place. Yep. And we try to help God out, and it never works.
1: Yep. And I think I think that's one area where God's working on me. And just the fact that I now have a membership at the car wash, and I let somebody else wash my car now. I'll give
0: you a high five on that. All right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right.
1: While you are working hard to keep your body in shape physically, the music you listen to while you run can help keep you in shape spiritually. We have partnered with J Radio to put together a group of running playlists by Mitchell, Lane, Holly, me, and others that you hear on the Run Club podcast. Plus, you can listen to a playlist put together by members of Run Club just like you. Check out the whole station of Run For God Playlist now at jradio.com and in the J Radio app. All right, we're back. And, you know, I ran a race this week. Mm-hmm. And um, I'll tell you what, it's getting old stuff. Ugh, it's killing me. Yeah. I got, uh, I got out kicked this week. There were three of us kind of together for the last mile of the race, and they just blew my doors off. Was it young guys? One of them was a high school kid, Mm. a high school senior. And uh, the other one is actually older than I. I thought he was about 30. It turns out he was 40. Hmm. Uh, Still a good bit younger than me, but um, anyway, yeah, I got smoked. And just so you know, I struggle with the mental side of racing, too. Um, I, I really think that in that last mile, my last mile was my slowest mile. That's not usually the case for me. Usually my second mile is my slowest. To, in this race, it was my actually my fastest. But um, and that's because I was trying to close that gap with the guy in front of me. Well, we caught the guy. We passed him. The high school kid was leading the race at the mile. He got behind us, and there was this, older, this, this other guy um, in front of me, and I was running behind him. And I knew what I needed to do. In, in order to be competitive in the race, I needed to run by him and take the lead and force the pace and make them try to run with me mm-hmm. instead of me running with them. But I didn't do that. Mm. Why didn't I do that? Because well, I was afraid to try it. We all have those moments and we all have those times where we're afraid to do things. Um, of course, that high school kid in the end turned, <laughs> ran by both of us. But... uh I think I could have pushed a little harder in that last quarter mile and made it a whole different kind of a finish at mm-hmm. the end but I was I was just afraid I was going to get out kicked and so if I let, if I, they were ahead of me before we started the kick then I didn't really get out kicked right sure. Yeah and so uh and of course I looked down I, I looked at my watch afterwards and realized that last portion after 3 miles that 0.14 miles um was actually ran at 4:44 pace it wasn't like I was walking <laughs> I was moving pretty good, but um, yeah, that was kind of a tactical decision that was wrong. I yeah. think in hindsight. Um, so I said, "What well, good race anyway?" I'm, I'm, you know, I'm almost never completely satisfied with a race in the end. You should be with that one. I know I should be. I ran. I ran well. And I, I looked at it. I looked it up, and, you know, there's a – I don't know if you know about age grading, you know, age grading works. Yeah. You yeah. put in your age and your time, and it tells you where – well, supposedly, if you're if you're eighty high, 80% or higher, then you're called what they call national class. Right. Um, and then if you're 90% or higher, it's called world class. Well, depending on the age grading chart that you looked at, I was either in the 89th or the 90th percentile on this one. If it would have been this Saturday – if it had been, yeah, if it had been this Saturday, I would have been in the 90th on all the Saturdays. This charts. Saturday is your birthday. So happy early birthday. Yeah. Daughter. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you. Anyway, um, it was fun. It yeah. was fun. And it was good to run well. I don't know why God continues to let me run as fast as he does, but I'm glad and grateful for it. All right. It's time for Dean's thoughts. And that's a time when I share something that I've written about the intersection between running and faith. So have you ever seen the movie Jaws? Yes. And do you know that the final product was far different from the original script? No. Yeah. Well, this one's called A New Camera Angle. It was 1973, and almost the entire cast was on the set of the movie Jaws. But there was a problem. The star was missing. I'm not talking about Roy Scheider, Robert Shaw, or even Richard Dreyfuss. No, I'm referring to the shark the 25-foot mechanical shark that was the centerpiece of the movie. It made the director Steven Spielberg nervous, but filming started nonetheless with the promise that the shark would be delivered in a few days. As promised, the star arrived a little late, and sure enough, it was, in fact, a 25-foot mechanical shark that could reportedly swim through water and would terrorize many a horror film viewer once the film was completed. But, even by Hollywood standards, the star of the show was high-maintenance, quite literally. They found it was necessary to take the shark from the water, clean it up, and repaint it every day. That wasn't part of the budget or the plan. If that wasn't bad enough, after a few days of being submerged, the electrical parts on the shark quit working and it had to be refitted with hydraulic parts. Then the situation became even more dire when they realized that the shark didn't quite fit the menacing role for which it was cast, but appeared to have dimples and was equal parts scary and cute. That wasn't going to work. Spielberg and his team went back to work, brainstorming ways to make the movie work. It was clear that the shark had to be used sparingly for the movie to have the intended effect. Many people would have given up, but not the man who would become one of the greatest directors of all time. The scenes were rewritten to include better dialogue to make up for the lack of special effects. In addition, the scenes that focused on the shark were rethought to include clever camera angles. Those two changes completely transformed the movie. At the end of 1975, Jaws received three Oscars and was nominated for Best Picture. Have you ever had big plans for something, maybe spending hours and even days planning for it, and then something happens that completely changes the plan? We often look at those circumstances circumstances, and lament what could have been. Most often, we decide that we must cancel the plans and maybe pick them back up later. We reason that since we can't follow the plan as designed, the dream must come to an end. In the moment, it seems like the smartest decision we can make. But what if it were not a binary choice? What if there was a third option aside from the go or no-go? Steven Spielberg decided on a third option. He couldn't couldn't proceed as planned, but he found a completely different path, one that had never been used. The result was a movie far better than it would have been if it were completed as planned. Maybe the injury that sidelined you on the way to a marathon finish line is designed as a test to find a different path. When Spielberg went back to the drawing board, it left him hyper-focused on the task at hand. Maybe you need that planned, confounding-induced focus to get you to rethink the goal. Maybe God wants you to do something even bigger. Maybe there is something else you have always thought about but have never tackled due to a lack of fitness. Now that you're fitter than ever, perhaps now is the time to revisit that goal. One of my favorite stories in the Bible is that of Joseph. He had one setback after another, but he always found a way around it. His brothers left him to die. He was sold into slavery. He was accused of something he didn't do and could have been executed for it. And he was forgotten about in prison. But he always found a way around the problem. Or at least God always had another plan for him. The important thing to remember, though, was that he was always intended To serve God, no matter what his circumstances were, in the end, he was part of one of the most fantastic stories ever told. If you feel let down because something thwarted your plans, maybe refocusing will reveal that there are other things to be accomplished instead. Steven Spielberg never planned to shoot a movie from a shark's perspective, but it turned out great. Joseph never planned to spend time in prison, but his desire to honor God kept him on track to do great things. Take a look at things from a different camera angle. It could be all you need to find an entirely different goal. It's a great story, Dean as always great job yeah you've heard you've heard the the most famous line from Jaws is "We're going to need a bigger boat." I don't know if you remember that from the movie. It's been so long. I know I, you said,
0: I, "Yeah, I do." But, I think, yeah, I
1: remember the line, but yeah, the I'm trying line, to remember the scene. Yeah, if we're going to need a bigger boat. Line was completely ad libbed. That was all kind of put in after the fight because they really thought they needed a little bit of humor. They needed a little bit deeper dialogue. There's a dialogue in in there where they're all sitting around and they're they're drinking. They're, they're but they're they're in the boat and they're you know they're out hunting this shark. It's nighttime, and Quint, the the character. Um, um i can't remember his name now he 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 starts telling the story about the USS Indianapolis and and how it, it it got submerged and there were sharks and he tells the story and it's masterfully told he made that he didn't make the story up he told the story but he did that off the top of his head that was hmm. all i'd lived really and all of that because he couldn't shoot the movie like he wanted to hmm. one of the other fascinating Parts of the uh, scene that I heard described was this scene where they're in the boat, they're in the boat and they're, they're trying They find the shark and they shoot the shark with a harpoon. That's got a barrel attached to it. That's mm-hmm. it's hollow. And so the idea is that the shark can't dive and they, they've got the shark where they need him because they can track him. Mm-hmm. Well, the shark pulls the barrel. It's a 55 gallon barrel. That shark pulls the barrel under and you know, the, 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 guy who's the shark hunter is like oh my gosh this shark is huge and so i remember that scene yeah so what do they do they shoot him with a second barrel well the shark takes down both barrels and he looks and he's like i've never seen a shark that can take down two barrels so they shoot him with a third barrel and then he takes that barrel down and he just disappears. And it's just calm water. And you almost don't see the shark at all. I think you may see him a little bit kind of under the surface. And that's it. Just kind of going by the boat. And um, But you see those barrels floating through the air. And then you see them disappear. And then you see this calm ocean. Well, that wasn't in the original script. Hmm. Right? And you just calm ocean is out there. And then it, it kind of pans to another scene. And they're kind of singing. And they're kind of having a good time. And then... The the camera angle is showing the boat from a hundred yards away out just over the water, and it's kind of half submerged in the water, and all of a sudden those three barrels just pop up out of the water. Mm. And it's so menacing never part of the original script i
0: gotta go back and watch that now yeah.
1: and it was all put in there because they couldn't show the shark they mm. wanted the shark to be this crazy effect that everybody was so scared of the shark and what scared everybody was just thinking about the shark being there just the whole idea of there's a shark where i can't see him. yeah and it, it's you i remember when jaws came out and you, you weren't around then but <laughs> I no, remember when when Jaws came out, people were scared to go in the ocean. Oh yeah. Oh my god.
0: Well I think even to this day yeah. that movie has had an effect on ocean goers. Yeah. Uh, Cause I mean, what does every what does everybody naturally think about? I mean, I can be in three feet of water. Yeah. At Panama City Beach and my mind goes to Jaws. Yeah.
1: It's and, true. So yeah. It's true. <laughs> Never knew all that. Thing. Yeah. Yeah, well, and the other interesting thing about the movie is they released this movie in the summer. Well, back in 1975 when this movie was released, you didn't you didn't release movies in the summer hmm. because summer was thought to be a dead time. Kids were out. They didn't go to movies because they were out doing stuff outside. and Movies weren't a thing in the summertime. You released movies at other times of the year, but they decided to do something different this time. And again... They released it when everybody's at the beach. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah and it, it it obviously turned out great so. yeah
0: so we're not we're not uh endorsing the movie yeah because no. from what i remember there is a lot of language and things like that in there but yeah i, I am going to go back and watch it because yeah yeah i mean that was everybody knows jaws
1: well and the whole bottom line is is that the, the movie was different than it was intended to sure. be and it wound up better based on just this whole idea of getting hyper focused on mm-hmm. let's try a different thing right and we're, we're all, we, we all get in those moments in life where things didn't go the way we wanted to and we think, well, things are done. And there's a, there's a new way to rethink things. Right. Mm-hmm.
0: If you've ever participated in any sport, you've probably met a great coach. Great coaches inspire us to do more than we ever thought possible. You can be the leader that helps others achieve things they never thought possible. You, yes, you have the ability and the opportunity to be that person. All you need is a heart to help people and the ability to follow a plan. The Run for God 5K Challenge will come ready to help you inspire those around you. The step-by-step guide will direct you how to plan, pray, and train people both physically and spiritually. You can help them become more fit in their health and in their walk with Christ. Share your passion. Go to runforgod.com to find out how to inspire others to accomplish big things.
1: All right, we're back. You know, I saw an illustration the other day that was pretty cool. It, was, it showed this guy, and he has this big pack of burdens on his back. You know, just like the – he's burdened down, he's bent over, and, you know, there's things – you know, stressors, work stuff – I'm getting old. Mm-hmm. Climate change, eating woes—all all this stuff was on there, and then it shows it. It shows him kind of throwing all of that stuff off and going for a run. Hmm. And uh, it's kind of a picture of Hebrews twelve one. It is, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. But that, and that's kind of how running is sometimes. It's it's kind of therapeutic to mm-hmm. us sometimes, for for different reasons. Sometimes to get away from stuff. And then sometimes to get focused on something. Right. And a lot of times that's good prayer time, mm-hmm. right? For sure. Yeah. So why do you think running is more therapeutic than a lot of other things? Or do you even think that? I think that. Yeah.
0: I, th- I think it's I think it's one of those times that I talk about a lot. It's a time where, you know, even though you're running, it's a time that you can set aside to do nothing. You can unplug all the inputs of your life. You yeah. Know, take, lay the iPods down. Don't take the phone with you, take the watch off and just go run and we just don't have that time in our society it seems like anymore to yeah. to be completely unplugged. We've always got a phone with us you know we've I, you know, I saw somebody walking just today, and the guy was walking, and he was on his phone sometime I mean that's fine to do that. Yeah. I, I do that, yeah. But sometimes we need to just lay all the devices down, and that is when it really becomes therapeutic. Yeah, just to listen and watch God's creation, hear the breathing of your own body, and there's the, it. It's very therapeutic.
1: Yeah, running is is that way. I guess because it doesn't require a lot of mental focus, mm-hmm. so you really can let your mind wander. It's a lot like going for a drive, right. Um, you know, you you just go out and you go drive through the countryside and it's, that's a therapeutic thing too in the same way that running is.
0: You know, my wife has told me on more than one occasion, you need to go for a run.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I really don't know how to take that,
0: but usually I take your advice and I leave and I come back in a better mood than what I was when I left. Um, so yeah, it is. Yeah. It's very
1: therapeutic. Some people do other things. I've got a neighbor who's in their model trains mm-hmm. and I, I won't go into how big, but I mean big. I mean, is right. this
0: the guy that built his house between two train
1: tracks? He did, yeah. <laughs> and right now, you know, what he's working on now what? Uh, basically, he's working on a railroad museum and a whole club and a uh, train viewing platform. Everything there in Kahuta. Wow. I mean, he, he's about to. Yeah, he's doing some big stuff. It's pretty cool, actually. Yeah. Uh, but that's his thing. Sure. You know, that's his therapeutic thing is to is to escape to to that. Um, I like reading too, mm-hmm. but I can't do it for very long without falling asleep. Fall asleep. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, trivia question. This one's a little bit different. Okay, so I want you to think a little different this time, and hopefully, we can get a little bit of thoughtfulness out of this one. So I'm kind of, I'm kind of looking for a paragraph in this one. You're looking for an essay. Yeah. 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 And they're gonna have to
0: earn the Run Club box on this one.
1: Yeah, I, you know maybe, and I didn't think about this, but maybe we should make this the best, the best essay. And it could be a sentence, it could sure. be four sentences, it could be whatever you want it to be. Um, but here's what I, I want: some thoughtfulness put into this one, and I, I want some answers now. I want, I, I need to have a, you know, several dozen answers, right? And and here's what it's what it is. Why does the Steve Prefontaine legend? live on today. So if you don't know about Steve Prefontaine, you're going to have to go to Wikipedia or someplace and, and research him or watch the, one of the pre- Not a godly man. No, he was not. <laughs> he was not. But th- that legend lives on sure. today. And why is that? Yeah. Why why is it that we look to, to Steve Prefontaine as uh, kind of a guidepost? Why are there otherwise? track meets
0: named after him? Yeah,
1: exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So you can send that to dean at runforgod.com. And uh, not
0: customer service, not right. Facebook messenger, that's right, but to Dean at com with your t-shirt size. That's right. I'll we'll get your run club box out. That's right. So are you saying that this may not be necessarily the first one? This one may not be the this first This is one. Dean's discretion. That's right. this is So it's going to a panel for a vote and the panel is Dean The panel is
1: Dean. That is the All panel. Right. You yeah. better live up to it, Dean I will I will. So uh, hopefully maybe maybe in a couple of weeks we can share the response Hmm. that would be cool all right every week we talk about why running is so awesome this week this is what it is it can be entirely an entirely useful mode of transportation (laughs) (laughs) you know we talked about the tarumara indians recently where they run from place to place Mm -hmm. to get from place to place i remember to how i used to go to my grandson's football games they would be 15 20 miles away and I would do a long run and finish at at his football game. I've done many of those. Yeah, I mean it's it's You good.
0: get a lot of weird looks when you get there too like where where did you come from and why are you sweating like a Yeah. profusely. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And, and you're a lot like me. You you're really self-conscious about that and cared <laughs> a lot about what- <laughs> Not at all. I like I yeah, like whatever. You're I wear like it, a, is it a badge of honor? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you know, if if Mad Max ever happens, you know, the movie Mad Max. I saw
0: that have, reference and I have no idea who Mad Max is. You
1: don't know who Mad Max no. is? Well, it's kind of the apocalyptic times and there's, you know, there's like very few, There's gasoline is like at a premium and it's it's, people can't drive cars and everything is desolate. And if that ever happens... Runners are gonna be—they're gonna be set. Absolutely, we can still get from place to place. Yeah. Everybody else, they're gonna be like, I can't drive. If I can't drive a car, I can't get there. Right. Yeah. It's gonna be awesome. All right. Our motivational thought of the week. It comes from Mark Allen. You know who Mark Allen is? I do. Great triathlete, and I like this one. It says, "You can keep going, and your legs will hurt for a week, Mm. or you can quit, and your mind will hurt for a lifetime." Wow. How is that? That's a good one.
0: That mm. one reminds me of the other quote that I don't know who said, but it says that um, pain, pain is, is temporary. Mm-hmm. Online results are forever. That's
1: right. <laughs> yeah. Do we know who said that? I don't know who said that, but um, but I do know Mark Allen said this one. Never saw this version yeah. of a, Like you said, it's a very yeah. similar quote. Sure. I really, really like this, this quote because it's true. It is true. It, it, um. Yeah, I, I I'm talking today. It's you, I'm, I'm four days post race day. Mm-hmm. I'm still talking about a race I did four days ago because it's something I regret. Mm-hmm. Right? It's yeah. It's a real thing. Mm-hmm. So get out there and, and and grab it by the horns and go after it. Yeah. All right. Everybody's doing great. Keep it up. Keep up all the great work. Keep up all the great encouragement. That is such an and understand that you're an encouragement to folks that are like you, but you're an encouragement to people not like you, too. If you're one of those turtles out there, some people call them the slow runners turtles. Sure. If you're one of those, you're an encouragement to me Absolutely. as well. So And many others. That's right. And now may God bless every step of every run. Go out there and shine your light. Good job, Dean.
0: For more information about the Run for God ministry, go to runforgod.com. If you have questions about your salvation, click on the Peace with God tab. There's nothing more important. Thanks for joining us today.